Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Work Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And we are very fortunate today to have the long-awaited interview with Doug Brunke. He's the founder and CEO with the Global Chamber, rocking out in his car to our 70s radio music. Welcome to the studio, Doug. After that intro, I, I hope I don't disappoint. No, I'm sure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Oh my great, gosh. It's our, great to chat with you today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I know uh, you and I have been talking with Daryl's help, our producer and studio manager. We've been talking about getting you on. I'm excited that we get to start the new year off this way. Chris Yap. Do you know Chris Yap? Do I, do I feel like you and I go that far back that we would know we would both know Chris? I've known Chris for a long time, a member of Global Chamber. Uh, a great guy. How do you know Chris? Well, Chris used to be a client of mine here at Business Radio X, and we became yeah. fast buddies, and and uh, we've kind of lost touch recently, but he's somebody I think of, and he was my first introduction uh -huh. to uh, the work that you're doing with the Global Chamber. I remember him being a member, I think uh -huh. it's been about four or five years uh -huh. ago. So tell yeah, us. Yeah, I've known Chris for a, probably a dozen years or so, and he's been a member probably from the beginning. So, and he spends a lot of time in the Philippines and a lot of travel time. So that may be why it's been a little hard to, to get a hold of him. Sometimes he disappears a little bit, but uh, he's awesome, does a great work for his clients. Great guy, great father. His kids are up to really some great things as they yep. follow in his footsteps. And I haven't had the pleasure of meeting his wife, but I know that he speaks very highly of her. So shout out to Chris and the Yap family. And uh, I miss you, buddy. All right. So, Doug, tell us, if you would, please, what is the Global Chamber and who does it serve? As if the, the name itself doesn't speak to what you're up to. But let's let's be really clear about that. Sure. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I get lots of confusion because a lot of people cue in on the Chamber idea. And I thought about when I named it, I, I'm the founder, and I had this idea, if I could find people better and smarter than me everywhere in the world and we could create chambers of commerce a chamber that is in every city with these people that would be an amazing community to be part of i recognize you and i are both uh, spend a lot of time in the phoenix metro there's like 30 or 35 chambers and you know, that's a lot of chambers and if you're doing work across cities or across borders which one do you join I'd rather join a chamber for what I'm interested in doing and what our global tribe is doing in joining a chamber that is in different cities and in different countries. That opens up a lot of doors, and that's really kind of where, where we lie. That's our unique space. I think we're the only one uh, in the world that is everywhere, and it's not only valuable for our members and joyful for us to be able to connect them across borders. But it's a lot of fun too. And over 500 chapters, am I right? 525 is the number we started with that this was what we were going to aspire to. We still maintain that number on the website, even though I will say just between you and me, it's actually closer to 565 in terms of you know, what we started out versus and now what we know we have going over the next three years. So by the end of 2025, all of the chapters will be full with a leader, 
and members. We already have members everywhere, but we don't have a leader in every location, only 300 plus right now. So in three years, we'll have all 525. And probably at that point, we're going to have to figure <laughs> maybe that we'll be at 600 or whatever it ends up being. Uh, we'll, we'll have to maybe change that 525. But 525 has a nice ring to it and has had that. We have to have to change that. What's What's really cool is that in cities that you would never imagine, like Accra, Ghana, we have an amazing person who is, she knows everybody in Ghana. She's trusted. She's professional. She's a connector. This morning I was talking with, uh, who was it? Oh, Athens, Greece. So my, my wife is Greek American and I feel ashamed that we haven't maintained someone in Athens. We started with a lady. She was good, but she had some other things that's going on. And now it looks like we found a much better, honestly, a, I, I was going to say a much better. That doesn't sound right or very professional, but I'll just say an extraordinary person. And she was like, oh, wow, I love to connect people. And I've already, she's already demonstrated that within our community. So when we see that and we know the value that they can provide for our members, it, it honestly is not just exciting, but it is fun. And, you know, I, I, I tell people, I think I have the best job in the world other than maybe you, but the yeah. best job that I can think of, at least for what I like to do. I think our jobs are similar. We're connectors. We're sharing stories and making sure that uh, business yeah. owners are having an opportunity to, to be in front of the people that they want to do business with. So I think our, our, we do have the best jobs yeah. <laughs> for sure. So tell us about your background. I'm curious. I read a little bit about it and the information that you shared with us. How did Doug get to where he is today? And if you don't mind starting with, how long has the Global Chamber been in existence then? I don't know if we covered that. Sure. No, I appreciate that. It's been eight years that I came up with this epiphany in Carlsbad, California, while I was driving back to Arizona. You've probably done that drive many, many before as well. It's got a lot of long straightaways uh, and a lot of open land and a lot of sort of like when you're flying in air, right? Just looking out the window and seeing nothing. That can be very inspiring in terms of both mostly good think, thinking. And so that that allowed me to think. And by the time I got back to Scottsdale, I thought, big idea, probably not doable. It's too big. Um, and so long story short, I went through a lot of processes, talked to a lot of people, processed it at Vistage. I was a Vistage member at the time. Vistage is now a longtime member of Global Chamber, and we have a partnership. And that really helped me. Um, and really appreciated having other leaders process the idea and come up with a better idea than what I had originally come up with. So it's it's eight years old. Prior to that, I had a long career with a DuPont company. I'm a chemical engineer, which is a crazy thing, uh, but I wanted to clean up the world. I was a sustainable, like need to control chemicals kind of a person when I was in college. And then, of course, I had to work for DuPont, you know, as my, <laughs> as my first job, which is kind of crazy at a chemical plant in Beaumont, Texas, which is not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. And I then was kind of in a management program with DuPont where I was kind of forced to move every two years to get different experiences. And before I knew it, after several experiences, I had five patents running a, a R&D group at the Central Research for DuPont and then in tech support for the floral polymers business, which sounds pretty boring, I would imagine, but it was fun for me. I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, we worked on the space shuttle disaster in 88. That was the part that failed for the space shuttle in 88 was had our product in it. And that was a fun experience. Not certainly that was a terrible experience, but it was interesting, probably is a better word, to, to be part of that study to figure out what went wrong and to have the solution. We were part of the solution. And then the guy who was doing the Asia business retired and nobody wanted his job. So I raised my hand as a 27-year-old uh, chemical engineer who was a sustainability guy. And they said, yes, finally, that I could do it. My boss was an Hispanic woman. Her boss was an African-American woman. And despite the Asians not wanting me because I was too young, they fought for me. And so part of certainly what is part of Global Chamber now is diversity and inclusion and giving people a chance, whether no matter what your skin color is, no matter what your gender is and who you love and you know, what your age is, people should be given a chance. And so that was an early introduction for me and certainly a very fortunate one because global is my life. Um, and even though sustainability is as well, and it's really thanks to Ann Zaragoza, my boss, and Claiborne Smith, her boss, they got me going into international and no turning back. What a fantastic, uh, not only success story, but background too, leading you up to this uh, open road from Carlsbad to Arizona, coming up with an idea. What if we had a global <laughs> chamber? I, I love it. You are related to Thunderbird, Thunderbird School of Global Management in what way? Thunderbird, the old Glendale campus, was an inspiration for me. I'd meet this guy, Dave Moss, out there, and we'd go to the cafeteria for lunch. He was uh, uh, just a, a friend, um, and I just, I loved the fact that everybody was from somewhere else. You know, 36 years ago, I did my first international trip, and I'm a global guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy that would, like, go country to country, customer to customer. I got brought down onto the Hyundai floor where they make the cars in 1988. Um, and they wanted me to help, <laughs> you know, who was just like, just trying to learn and try to solve problems. And so that's kind of Doug Brunke, just somebody who can just jump into situations and try to help. And so that's part of my, my love for, for global business. Uh, then when I was at Thunderbird, and the old cafeteria is like, wow, what a, what a group of positive global people. I love this. Why can't more people be part of this? And, you know, kind of a long story short of this is what if everybody in the world lived or traveled somewhere else and recognized that the secret of life isn't in your neighborhood? It's, it's the world. It's, it's there's people everywhere and they're amazing and we can have an impact in our life. Our life is so short. Let's do it with other people and not just around people who look like us, but people who look different because they're amazing. And I went to high school, 544 students, one African-American. I don't think we had a single Hispanic. <laughs> this is upstate New York. It was like, that's not right. You know, people need to have the joy of being exposed to different cultures and different lifestyles and, and all sorts of things. And I wanted to bring that to other people. So Thunderbird was one of the first things that got me thinking, wow, how can we bring this to more, to more people? And so part of the solution certainly was Global Chamber. 
as you're sharing that perspective, which I share, right? It's important for us to step out of our yard <laughs> and the people that we grew up with or we break bread with every day to see that there's a larger world and, and many different viewpoints. Uh, as you were sharing kind of your background, I'm thinking of many of the meetings and that I attend here in the greater Phoenix area. And I find myself frustrated when somebody at the podium or the in front of the microphone talks about diversity inclusion and all things around, you know, inviting everybody to the table. And then I look around the room <laughs> and, it, and it looks identical. <laughs> so I appreciate where you're coming from in that. And I think, I think it's really important that we're having this conversation. And, I, and, and that's not to say that the people that I'm listening to speak or the organizations that I belong to, it's not to say that they don't have their hearts and their minds in the right place. I think they, they scratch their head and say, okay, well, we believe in opening this up to everybody and being inclusive. We just don't know how or where to go find people who don't, you know, that, that are not in our sphere. And, and I think what you're talking about and what you're doing is, is exactly that. If you can't travel the world and have those experiences firsthand, how do you stay open to those relationships and that's by reaching out and making those connections. And thank goodness for the Global Chamber that helps us do that. Any thoughts or, or um, other stories that, that show up for you as I share a little bit about my own perspective with that topic? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I personally couldn't survive a normal chamber. There's probably none that would be really very interesting for me. At least I've never been to one where that I could sustain because of the diversity angle. And what I mean by that is, you know, with Global Chamber, you can jump, you know, we had 600 plus events last year. You can jump into them virtually. And you, so you can jump into Dhaka, Bangladesh or Tokyo, Japan or mm. London, England, which is a lot closer to you know what we're kind of what we're normal or Accra, Ghana or Nairobi, Kenya, and and have a conversation with people on the ground. And then, you know, in the Nairobi meeting, there could be people from Europe and Asia and the Americas and Latin America. And that's for those of us in the global tribe. And that's kind of our tagline for the people who are, we, I would say, love our country. I'm an American and I love America, but I'm also critical of America. And I'm critical of situations that don't give people a chance, that that maintain the power stru the structure of what's always been. And it's not just in America, it's all over the world where the power structures try to maintain what the power people want. And that's not right. Look what's happening in Afghanistan or in Iran. And even my, my lovely Japan, I I speak Japanese. I lived in Japan. I love Japan. I, I, I could live in Japan for the rest of my life very easily if I didn't have a grandson in San Francisco and my wife, you know, wanted to be near the family because I want to be near the family too. But I love the culture. However, you know, if, if you dig a little deeper, there is some inherent bad stuff in there in terms of protecting the culture, maybe too far. You know where. Of course, all of us are gaijins, the foreigners, um, and that doesn't always have a positive feeling. It's hard for me to fully grasp that. However, you know, the world is full of contradictions. I try not to be judgmental, 
on a daily basis. I just know what I like and what I want the world to be like. I want the world to be less judgmental and less critical toward people who have not always had a seat at the table. And we should allow people a seat at the table. So all I really know is trade and business and helping people in business. So I know we're good at that. I know I'm good at that. And I also know that we're pretty good at being inclusive. About eight years ago when we started, we did a, a, a nonprofit event and there were eight people on the panel. There was They were all white guys. <laughs> And so, and I didn't realize that until there were there they were. It's yep. like, oh my god! Like, how could we even? How could I even get to this point? And actually, even now, what was it this morning? Something happened where we're doing an event on Thursday, and there's four or five speakers, and they're all men. And so that they they sent me a message about here's what the speakers are, and it's like, well, well, wait a minute, how you know, it's like, yeah. where are the women here? You know, and so actually I suggested a few women, they already were kind of working to make sure that happens. For whatever reason, people are not sensitive to that and and we need to be, and certainly we are. Yeah, and I love that you're sharing that even in the work that you do and as, as important as it is on a daily basis for you to show up in that manner, you still have to kind of be knocked upside the head a couple of times to say, you know, yeah, I mean, and I, and one Almost of the, daily. yeah, and, and I'm, and I'm the same. And I think that's, there's like an inherent count of accountability piece in that, that when people like you and I, who care deeply around inclusion, and we still fall into our own little small, again, backyard, then we have to, we have to hold each other accountable and say, wow, how did we land here? And, and not spend too much time there, but okay, now how are we going to shift this and, and make this different so that we open the door wide and throw up the blinds and say, hey, let's, 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 all, uh, <laughs> let's all do this together. I, I feel so like that, this is a, go ahead. Yep. I was going to say one thing that's impacted me here recently is over Christmas, our daughter got us watching this show, We're Here. Hmm. I don't know if you know that on I HBO. Don't. So it's it's basically three guys who dress up like drag queens and they take their show on the road and they um and and the worst example of it was Granbury, Texas, where they were not well received. St. George, Utah was not a great place either. Hawaii was much better, but they basically end up putting on a show and to me, kind of taking it out of a drag queen context or LGBTQ or Whatever the context is, it to me, it's all about people that are special. We're all special in a different way. And his, history teaches us that what happens is the dominant power uh, structure keeps all of that suppressed. And it makes all of us that have unique things about us feeling bad about what's unique and special about us. And that's wrong. And to me, globalness is part of the answer. If we can do trade across every religion and across every skin color, you know, no matter what we love, you know, who we love, and that's all your own private business. You know, it's like, why do we even care about that? Whatever you bring to the table is what you bring to the table. And so I think at least, you know, my own perspective, and this is a little bit of the kumbaya rather than direct stuff. The daily stuff we do at Global Chamber is we connect companies to clients, you know, to wherever they want to grow. So that's kind of like the daily stuff. 
time. I don't want to kind of get off too far off that. But while we're doing that, you know, who you're sleeping with and what your skin color is and what food you like or whatever is immaterial, right? It shouldn't matter. And that's hard to do in a normal chamber or a normal organization. It's pretty easy to do a global chamber because at the end of the day, we're making connections and sometimes you don't even know who you're talking to. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And so it's just like, how can we grow and how can we make this a better world and have impact? That's what it's all about. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. You have a new book. Is it is it out yet? Are you working on it? I believe it's called We're, Global is Good. Tell us about that. So Global is Good, um, to a large extent, goes to the heart of Global Chamber, and that is building trade and, and, and the concept that global is good versus what we're taught generally is global is bad. And global is bad because it means outsourcing and taking our jobs away and people that don't look like us. And I'm now sort of kind of exaggerating the stereotype of what global is, like people who are saying, oh, we're, we're being flooded at the border. And they're like, you know, it's like, we don't want that lifestyle. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by what lifestyle? What, why can't we all bring this together? We don't want people breaking the law, but we also want laws that allow people to come in because it's a good thing to have uh, people that are diverse and from other countries. Um, this happened back in the 20s, right? When, you know, Germans and, and Irish people were persecuted. And now we've just moved a hundred years forward and we're like always against the people coming in. When we need people to work, we have a shortage of people. So we need people. And it's been proven over and over again. And those of us that have seen it firsthand know that when you have a diverse team of gender and different religions and different personalities and different cultures, it's a more innovative team. And the way we compete in the world is to be innovative. And so so we want people to be more that way. And so the global is good concept in the book is, is the story of a woman who accidentally gets involved in global business and she learns a lot, not just to make her business better, but also uh, that it helps her with the community and impacts on life. One of the things that I've learned is that global tends to be very accidental. I didn't even, I, I mentioned, I'm, I'm a chemical engineer. I was a sustainability guy with patents and doing you know technical stuff. Suddenly, by accident, I learned that global is good. And, and from that, I kind of accidentally learned how to do it. And then I accidentally learned to apply it in many different ways. And that's what really the book is about. Why do we need to do that? Why can't we teach globalness in school that it's good? Why can't we teach globalness in, at, in college, you know, mm -hmm. in a more direct way to many more people instead of having people maybe find it accidentally? Why can't we more broadly accept that it's a good thing to be global? I think we'd be a lot better, certainly in the U.S. that way, and certainly better around the world. So that's what global is. is. It's, it's a story of a woman who discovers that global is good. And throughout the story, she runs into a variety of different things that allow her to make a bigger impact on the world. And that's, that's what it's about. Love it. And where can we get a copy of the book? It's not out yet. Uh, I'm writing it with uh, my partner at Global Chamber, Cesar Trabanco. 
um, and it should be available later this year. We have a global book author series at Global Chamber, as it turns out. Two years ago, we had one of our members, Gloria Peterson, who you may know, I'm not sure, she's fairly famous in the Phoenix area with the Global Protocol Academy. And she said, hey, why don't we get book authors together? So we found 20 of them and they started talking about writing a book and having an impact and having the legacy of the book. We now have 70. So we went wow. in two wow. years, we have 70. And about six to nine months ago, I was walking the dog in Palo Alto and listening to one of our members talk about her story. And I've been thinking about writing a book for have many ideas. None of them really gelled until walking the dog. I finally thought, this is it. I, I'm going to write the story of Marsha Cho, who was early in my DuPont career, wanted to work for DuPont Korea, but being a woman, she couldn't. They wouldn't let her. And, and then there were some other stories that came in along the way. And I thought, you know, that story needs to be told, that we need to allow anyone in. And we need to get more people involved with global. So rather than preach about it and rather than have a primer about it, we're going to tell a story <laughs> and, 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 and hopefully tell the story in a fun way so that more people will say, gee, I want some of that. Such a great backstory for the book that's coming out. And I hope that you'll come back on when you're ready with your partner who's co-writing it with you and maybe even a couple of the people who have been featured, their stories have been featured, and that'd be a fun, <laughs> a fun conversation to have with you. I'm curious, I want to go back as we begin to close up our segment together. You mentioned that with 525 chapters and members around the globe, that you are looking for some more, if I heard you correctly, that you're looking for some more leaders to, um, to lead within the different regions that you are. Is there a specific qualification? Are you, are you looking for anybody in particular? Did I understand kind of what your next step is correctly? And how can we help you find those people? That's perfect. We definitely always want to help uh, members. So any company that you know that's Usually companies that export are accidental exporters. The first sale is something accidental, and then they realize that, gee, maybe we can sell this in other places. I, I'd like that to be more proactive. So anybody that you know that is running a business that is open to new opportunities and new business around the world, it's you know, very helpful for companies that for both products and services. And then on the chapter leads, we typically look for serial entrepreneurs around the world in any major city that has their own business. And then they do global business in addition to their serial entrepreneur work. It, it, and what we find is when you have your own business and you're a serial entrepreneur, people accept you and it's cool that you're a serial entrepreneur. And if you also wear the Global Chamber Executive Director hat, it's extra cool. And, P, and you get more openness from people to ask you, well, gee, you know, tell me more about that. And so it helps them not just grow a chapter of Global Chamber, but honestly, it helps them with their business as well. Often it's women <laughs> that tend to be really great executive directors because they tend to be good multitaskers in terms of running a business and running Global Chamber at the same time, but men can do it as well. So if you know anybody anywhere, we're always open really pretty much anywhere to somebody who is somebody who thinks big, wants to have a bigger impact, and also probably has some of the values that we've talked through here today. 
feel free to have them come to globalchamber.org and we're happy to chat with them and get them involved some way or other. Great. And what kind of a time commitment is it? Because of course they're they're running their businesses and doing their own thing as well. Does it do you have a, a time frame or maybe what are some of the specifications that some of these serial entrepreneurs might consider uh, as they reach out to you? Sure, that's that's a that's a good question. I will say I'm running about eight chapters in addition to Global Chamber and running, you know, the, getting the global uh, growth uh, set up and talking to executive directors every day, mm-hmm. helping them, and also talking to members every day and helping them with their business. There's eight chapters that I'm running as well, so that maybe is a is somewhat of a context that it's not a full time job. I typically say it takes about eight hours a week to be able to do it well, and it could be dispersed across the week. It's mainly setting up an advisory board. So you're probably a connector, someone who's well-connected. Uh, also a setting up a meeting, so you're not afraid to set up a meeting and lead a meeting and kind of take it. And then to have conversations with members. So you have to be able to probably be a service leader, to be able to ask questions about how can we help and to be service-oriented. Those are all characteristics of some of the best leaders that we've had and that we continue to have at Global Chamber. So those are some of the things to think about. So if some of those things kind of float your boat and you love to help people, uh, it could be a fit. Yeah, and I'm thinking about um, the way we show up as servant leaders. You know, we're either running a BNI group or we are a member of Vistage or we serve on a, on a board, either nonprofit or private board. Those, or we volunteer our time, those kinds of things, we really find a lot of value in, an opportunity to give back, and then, of course, to receive as well. And so this would be a way to do that globally. Uh, so thank you for that um, introduction to what it might look like to be an executive director for one of the chapters. Uh, no, that's great. The, yeah. Our executive director in London, she runs a BNI chapter. Okay. She, she works for a company as a sales business development, a foreign exchange company. And she knows everybody in London. She's originally from Australia. And then she's the executive director for Global Chamber. And she's one of the best. And so, and she, in the last two years, she got her master's degree at Roehampton College. (laughs) You know, she's a superstar. And so, so, but you know, life is short. And I think, you know, we never had this conversation with, with Katie, but she's a great connector. She wants to have an impact. She has a great impact. That's a that's a like an extreme case, but we love working with folks that are have the capacity to be able to help others like that because it works for everybody. Yeah, and when it's a handful of hours per week and not something that's all consuming, people really can fit it into their world, especially when they want to add value to people across the globe and make those connections. And you, of course, have provided an incredible framework for them to do that through uh, creating the Global Chamber eight years ago. I find that fascinating. So we are just about out of time. Is there anything that I hadn't thought to ask or that that you wanted to make sure that our listeners and viewers knew about the Global Chamber uh, before we close? Uh, we're at globalchamber.org is our website. And we welcome anyone that is you know professional and capable and honest and ethical and shares those values we have that we talked about today. We do have shared values on our website. If you go to the about page, you'll see our mission and our vision and our values. And if those things appeal, we're happy to to have a chat with you. They've the global tribe has helped me survive the last five years oh, in I the bet. United States with lots of craziness. The global tribe isn't crazy. You know, they they're servant 
leaders. They help each other. They're truth tellers. They just want to do the right thing. And that's a great environment to, to, to be in. We're trying to make business across cities and borders as easy as selling across the street. And that's really kind of our mission, doing that on a daily basis with leaders. And so thank you for the opportunity to, to share today. Thank you for getting it. I can tell you get it. <laughs> so I really do for... get it. I'm making a lot of connections between, you know, other aspects of my life. <laughs> and, and, and of course, uh, just the way that we show up and we continue to be cheerleaders and champions for everybody in the world of business. I'm a member of the Conscious Capitalism Movement, and they're one of our sponsors here at the studio. And it's really around doing, you know, doing business as a force for good, right? People will also often say capitalism is, is a dirty word, and you can't put the word conscious in front of it. Well, we say tosh to that because it really is how we change communities is to be able to teach other people how to uh, succeed themselves. And that sounds like what you're doing in addition to making those opportunities to do global business less uh, accidental and more intentional and purposeful and help bridge the gap between the learning curve, given all the success that you and your members have had. For some reason, I want to share this, and I was going to save it for off air, but I'm going to say it out loud. As you were sharing just a moment ago, I imagine myself driving down, I can't remember which street it is in Tempe, which is where the studios and which is where I grew up. And there's one of the city of Tempe signs that say all the sister cities. And back in the day when I was in high school in 1983, uh, there was only one or two sister cities on that, on a board like that. There wasn't this board specifically. But now there's, I think, like eight, nine or 10 (laughs) sister cities for the city of Tempe alone. So again, I think that's just another great example of how important it is that we're aligning ourselves with people across the globe. And for, some, for whatever reason, the Global Chamber made me think of Sister Cities today. Yeah, no, that, there's a lot of alignment. And when I was coming up with the idea, I was on the board of the Scottsdale Sister Cities, and we were looking at adding Sister Cities, which we did. We added a city in China, and we kind of got rid of one and we looked at different ones. You know, the Sister Cities is a great program. Uh, We're very supportive of that everywhere in the world. It tends to be both cultural and educational and business and and not always business. And they actually brought me onto that board to kind of bring more business focus into the into the whole process. And it's something, you know, that's kind of what we do is the business side. The culture and the education part is a plus plus, but our focus is on the business side. But so I think that's a great example of that the world is getting more global. The world is getting better. If you ever have seen gapminder.org and uh, Hans Wrestling, he's passed away a few years ago, but he talked a lot about that the world is getting better and he measured it by health and wealth of the world. And I totally believe that. I do believe we're on our trajectory to be better. And we're just trying to accelerate that yep. <laughs> at yep. Global Chamber. And by doing that through trade, I know every day that we're making an impact and we just want to make more and more. So welcome you for your involvement. I'd love to figure out how to work with conscious capitalism. I, I've talked to uh, several people about that. We haven't figured out a way to collaborate yet, but we are extreme collaborators because we do believe it takes a village. A lot of people are coming at the same kind of a concept of making a greater global impact in the, from, in the community from different angles, and we're, we're happy to collaborate. 
such a great way to close our segment today. And and I can see that you and I are going to have more conversations besides just today. So I, I look forward <laughs> to that. And again, Doug, uh, your website one more time is globalchamber.org. And Doug uh, Brunke is also on LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Look at you. You've just got all the social media platforms covered. Thank you. And uh, and I have my grandson, Luca, on my Twitter and my Facebook Yay. account. I even figured out a way to slip him in occasionally into LinkedIn, at least with some of the global chamber events and things like that. I've, I, he, he is a beautiful child. I think perhaps the most beautiful of human being he, I've ever seen in the world. <laughs> and he's, he's only a couple months old, isn't he? Or not even. Remind me. He's, he's only three months old. And, right. you know, and, and actually it reminds me because my daughter, when she was five, I remember how pure and amazing she was. And then the world kind of takes over and it molds us into, you know, feeling like we're not perfect and we're not as good as we could or should be. And that, quite honestly, that is a lot of what's in my head when I think about Global Chamber. Yeah, every day I'm thinking about making connections on business. That's what we do. However, we're very much positive toward baby Luca, my daughter. I wish she didn't have been kind of restructured by the school systems and by bad people and bullies and things like that. We got to get rid of that stuff. And it's not going to end in our lifetime, but I think there's stuff we can do and we are doing, right, to be able to in that for sure certainly in maybe Luca's lifetime let's let's see this is not a commercial because i i'm the only one who has the leftover copies of this book but in 2010 uh, i wrote a book called Maddie Moonbeam's Garden and i would love to gift you with a copy so that you can get it to your your daughter and and your grandchild it's a really a book about uh, love and acceptance, personal love and acceptance. And the metaphor is around a garden and how life chips away at that pureness and, and that ability to know that we're perfect. And then little Maddie at some point realizes that, you know, oh my gosh, I I, I am unique and special uh, just because I'm me. And you had started our segment with that today. So let's make sure we connect after we close up today that I can get you a copy of that gift. And And thinking globally, when I wrote that book, I was working with uh, schools in uh, rural Uganda, and we made sure that po- part of the proceeds went to supporting building schools and libraries in Uganda specifically to help wow. you know girls and women get out. So of- maybe to maybe to put a bow on that, then you mentioned about Thunderbird. We we do have our headquarters in Thunderbird, and the the president and dean and CEO of Thunderbird is a man named Dr. Sanjeev Kagram, who is amazing, but he's an Indian born of uh, Indian heritage in Uganda, he was living and they became uh, refugees. And he's now, you know, leading Thunderbird in Phoenix, where wow. Global Chamber now has our headquarters as well. And his sensibility and his pure thought and his drive toward the issues and the, and the concepts that we've talked about today is right in, right in, right in line. So would love to be able to get him connected to you as well. And certainly there's a Tempe connection because ASU now owns Thunderbird. And so it all kind of comes together. So perfect. Look at that. We're making, we're we're weaving the tapestry as we're having this conversation, which is a great (laughs) example of what both you and I do. Uh, So I appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise with us today, Doug, and congratulations on the, the grandbaby and uh, just all the great work that you're doing on behalf of trades and businesses all over the globe. We will look forward to seeing you again soon and hopefully you and I offline will get together so I can hand you this beautiful hard copy of this picture book for your family. I look forward to it anytime. 
Awesome. Stick with us for a photo after we go off air. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.